The Metropolitan Opera Guild is the premier arts education organization dedicated to enriching the lives of children and adults through the magic and artistry of opera. To learn more about the Guild's many exciting programs and events, please visit metguild.org. and welcome to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Baratera, and the goal of our podcast is to share knowledge and insights into the operatic art form, drawing our content from a variety of different educational programming that we have going on here at Lincoln Center in New York City. On July 20th, one week from this episode, the Met will be broadcasting the last HD encore opera of the summer to theaters across the globe, the opera is none other than Mozart's beloved Cosi Fan Tutte, and the production that will be broadcast was actually recorded live in April of 2014. The cast features some of my personal favorite singers, such as Matthew Polanzani, Isabel Leonard, and Danielle Denise. So to get us all prepared for the broadcast, our episode today features a wonderful talking about opera lecture from our archives with lecturer Bridget Paolucci discussing Mozart's Cosi Fan Tutte. In the early 19th century, Così fan tutte was considered tasteless, silly, and immoral because of its subject matter. Even Beethoven denounced the plot as unworthy of Mozart's talent. Consequently, the libretto was often revised or sometimes totally rewritten, and the title often changed. In England, for instance, Così became tit for tat, or the tables turned. The full title of the opera is Così fan tutte, ossia la scuola degli amanti which means that's what all women do, or the school for lovers. Le Nozze di Figaro, which premiered in 1786, was the first of three operas Mozart wrote in collaboration with the Italian poet and playwright Lorenzo da Ponte. Don Giovanni was written the following year, and Così opened on January 26, 1790, the day before the composer's 34th birthday. The Ponte's libretto is based on elements that recur time and time again in literature. Disguises, mock poisonings, men and women testing one another's fidelity. The subject of fidelity permeates the opera. But is it fidelity to oneself, to another human being, to a promise, or to society's expectations? The meaning of the opera is ambiguous, as is so much of Mozart and it's open to a wide variety of interpretations. To some, it's a confection, pure opera buffa, comic opera, although Mozart himself called it a dramma giocoso, which means a comic opera with serious episodes. To others, it's a near treatise on the Age of Enlightenment. For some, it's anti-female. For others, a forerunner of feminism. Così is about six individuals and their relationship to one another. Since the opera focuses on the gradual unfolding of these characters, the dramatic pace is leisurely. The structure of de Ponte's libretto is a marvel of balance and symmetry. The arias are evenly distributed among the principals, and yet the placement of those arias always evolves logically from the plot. De Ponte's poetry is elegant, his wit often caustic, his cynicism searing. Mozart's music infuses the text with depth, warmth, and a profound sense of humanity. Così is an ensemble opera, 
there are more ensembles than arias in the score, which seems only logical in an opera about relationships. The ensembles are varied and skillfully constructed, with each character precisely defined within those ensembles by Mozart's music. Some of Mozart's most beautiful melodies are in the score of Cosi, a score marked by sensuality and grace, by the absolute unity of words and music. The overture begins with a yearning melody in the oboe, followed by a pair of five-note phrases, phrases heard near the end of the opera when Don Alfonso says, Così fan tutte. This phrase is the only music from the overture that will be heard during the course of the opera. Così fan tutte. immediately followed by an exuberant presto section in which the woodwinds seem to chase one another. A playful figure, lasting just one measure, is tossed from oboe to flute, from flute to bassoon in giddy succession as though they were playing a game. Così is set in late 18th century Naples and is in two acts. Act one is in four scenes, and the first takes place in a cafe. It's morning, and Don Alfonso, a bachelor philosopher, is in mid-conversation with two young army officers named Ferrando and Guglielmo. They're debating the subject of the fidelity of women. Although Don Alfonso refers to his gray hair, I don't think he's a tottering old man, but he is older than the officers, more worldly and experienced. To him, the idea of fidelity is nothing more than sentimental illusion. The officers insist that their fiancés, two sisters named Dorabella and Fiordiligi, are faithful. Writers usually refer to the girlfriends as lovers or mistresses, and the young officers themselves call them amanti, lovers. But I'll also use the term fiancé when speaking of these four young people. They've promised to be faithful to one another, so according to the mores of their time, they're engaged, at least informally. And the keeping or breaking of those promises is the basis of the plot. Don Alfonso bets that if the young men do everything he asks for 24 hours, he'll prove to them that their girls are like all other women, fickle. Scene one is made up entirely of ensembles, three trios separated by recitative for the same three characters, Ferrando, Guglielmo, and Don Alfonso. The tempo for all three trios is the same in Allegro, but other than that, they're different from one another. The first begins with a brisk introduction, then Ferrando sings, My Dorabella is incapable of infidelity. Guglielmo repeats the swaggering tune as he claims the same for his Fiordiligi. When Don Alfonso answers them, his vocal line is less lyrical. I speak from experience, he tells them. But the young men persist, singing together as they challenge Don Alfonso to a duel. Mozart's music tells us that Ferrando and Guglielmo's mindset is identical. They either sing different words to the same tune, or they sing together, often in thirds, the way children do. That simple harmony is the key to their characters. They're not only young, but naive and immature. They sing in tandem, they act in tandem, and whatever thinking they do is also in tandem. 
both play the role society demands of them to the hilt. They're self-confident officers defending their fiancés, or perhaps more accurately, defending their own honor and pride. To them, their girlfriends are romantic ideals. We hear Ferrando first, sung by tenor Alfredo Kraus, then baritone Giuseppe Tadei as Guglielmo, and bass Walter Berry as Don Alfonso. La mia dora bella capace non è, capace non è, fedel quanto bella il cielo la fe, fedel quanto bella il cielo la fe. La mia fior di ligi tradirmi non sa, tradirmi non sa, uguale in lei credo costanza e beltà, uguale in lei credo costanza e beltà. E crini già crisi, ex parte trappando. Ma tanti lidici finiscano qua, ma tali lidici finiscano qua. The young men draw their swords, but Don Alfonso refuses to take the threat seriously. He says they're naive if they think their girls are different from any other women. He expounds on his philosophy in the second trio, which is almost a solo for him, with comments by Ferrando and Guglielmo, who continue to assert the faithfulness of their fiancés. Don Alfonso's opening lines are marked scherzando, to be sung in a joking manner, and the solo flute and solo bassoon echo his teasing. He says that female fidelity is like the phoenix of Araby. Everyone has heard of it, but no one knows where to find it. Dovesia, he asks, where is that fidelity? Ferrando and Guglielmo respond in a passage marked con fuoco, literally to be sung with fire or heatedly. They defend Dorabella and Fiordiligi. And then, together, they dreamily repeat the names of their respective fiancés. But Don Alfonso is an insistent teacher, an incurable cynic. The wager is made. Don Alfonso will prove his theory within 24 hours. If he fails, he will pay them handsomely. Ferrando and Guglielmo agree to two conditions. First, they must keep the wager a secret. And secondly, they must do everything he asks of them. Just as Ferrando and Guglielmo are in love with idealized images of Fiordiligi and Dorabella, so too are the sisters in love with love. Scene two takes place outside the sisters' seaside home. As the scene opens, clarinets and bassoons create a languid atmosphere, followed by violins playing a distinctly feminine introduction to the sisters' duet. The tempo is slow and andante, as opposed to the fast tempo of the men's trios. Each sister is gazing at a locket containing a portrait of her fiancé, and each claims that hers is the more handsome of the two. Look, sister, says Fiordiligi, have you ever seen a more beautiful mouth, a more noble look than this? Dorabella answers, you look. Have you ever seen more fire in a man's expression? The women's vocal lines are similar, but not identical as the men's were. For both, the music reflects their very real contentment. Fiordiligi's melody is limpid, interspersed with delicate violin ornaments. Dorabella's vocal line is livelier, subtly defining her as the spunkier of the two. Notice the exaggerated ending of each one's opening statement. Mozart depicts them, then mocks them gently. Soprano Elisabeth Schwarzkopf is Fiordiligi, mezzo Christa Ludwig, Dorabella. 
The duet ends with a spirited allegro in which the sisters sing together, each proclaiming her absolute fidelity to her fiancé. This is role-playing, the romanticizing of love, a parallel to Ferrando and Guglielmo's protestations in the first trio of the preceding scene. Here the sisters linger over an elaborately ornamented setting of the word love, amore. Don Alfonso arrives, and in a brief aria, he tells them he has terrible news. Their fiancés have been ordered to report to their regiment for service on the battlefield. The young officers come to take tearful leave of their fiancés before pretending to go off to war, and the ensuing quintet is masterly in its musical wit. As we'll hear, the boyfriends sing the same melodies successively, and the sisters sing together in simple thirds. In other words, they're paired as young women and young men, two pairs rather than engaged couples. Don Alfonso sings as an individual. The quintet begins with ponderous chords, depicting the reluctant footsteps of young men going off to war, and suggesting that each of them can hardly bear to put one foot in front of the other. Guglielmo launches the quintet. Oh God, I can't move, he moans, singing in fragmented phrases, accompanied by plodding one to a beat chords in the orchestra. Ferrando follows suit, saying he's speechless. Don Alfonso claims it's a terrible moment for heroes, while dotted notes in the orchestra remind us that this is a game. The sisters' response, sung together, initially sounds like whimpering. Then their comments become assertive as they urge the men to be courageous. Fate core, fate core, they sing. The men's lines are comical, the women's are not. Although the women sing together through most of the quintet, the difference between Ferrando and Guglielmo is reiterated as the ensemble continues. The sisters murmur that destiny has usurped their hopes. Ferrando echoes their plaintive murmur, 
but Guglielmo allies himself with Don Alfonso as they both chuckle in dotted rhythms typical of the opera buffa style. A military march is heard in the distance, and a chorus of villagers, apparently hired by Don Alfonso, hails the glory of military life. Another quintet follows in which Ferrando and Guglielmo bid their lovers farewell. It begins as their fiancés urge them to write every day, Discrivermi ogni giorno. The sisters are weeping, and the vocal line captures their tears. Each note they sing is separated from the next by a rest, making the melody sound breathless, like sobbing. Their boyfriends mimic them in broken phrases, also constructed with rests between the notes. Don Alfonso once again chuckles in descending dotted phrases, saying he'll die if he doesn't laugh soon. Then Fiordiligi asks Guglielmo to be faithful to her, and her melody is completed by Dorabella, who asks the same of Ferrando. The music is poignant, genuinely moving, even though the men are insincere. The military chorus is heard again as Ferrando and Guglielmo board the ship to join their regiment. As the sisters watch the ship disappear on the horizon, they pray that their fiancés will have a safe journey. Don Alfonso joins them, even though he's only pretending to pray, and the ensuing trio is one of the musical highlights of Così. Plot and characterization are suspended for a moment of sheer poetry in terms of both de Ponte's words and Mozart's music. I'll read the English translation first and then the Italian. May the wind be gentle and the sea tranquil, and may everything good be the answer to our wishes for you. In Italian, Soave si il vento, tranquilla sia l'onda, ed ogni elemento benigno risponda ai nostri desir. The trio is scored for muted violins and soft woodwinds. Rippling string figures sound like the murmuring of the sea. The next scene takes place in the sisters' home. Their chambermaid, Despina, is alone, grumbling about her life as a servant. She has made hot chocolate for the sisters, and she resents the fact that she always prepares it for them and never has any herself. She tastes the chocolate, then quickly wipes her mouth as she sees the sisters approaching. They're distraught. When Despina asks what's wrong, Dorabella answers, Where's the poison? Close the windows. I hate light. I hate the air I breathe. She launches into her aria, Zmani implacabili, relentless frenzy, continue to disturb my soul until anguish brings death. The words are high-flown, the tempo allegro agitato. The music is overwrought as the character. Dorabella is a high-strung adolescent, an impulsive creature who throws herself into the spirit of the moment. And yet her emotions are real here, 
and so was her hysteria. Hysteria captured in the angular vocal line and by restless violin triplets that accompany the entire aria. The style is a parody of opera seria, literally serious opera, meaning operas such as Mozart's Domineo, which are based on a series of virtuoso arias. The composer doesn't use parody for the sake of parody, however, but because it's dramatically valid. When the sisters explain that their fiancés have left, Despina laughs. They tell her that their lovers might not return from the battlefield, and Despina answers, The truth is you'll lose two men and you'll still have all the others. Fiordiligi and Dorabella are shocked, particularly when Despina suggests that they take advantage of the situation by having some fun. After all, she says, the men will. Despina espouses a sexual freedom that scandalizes the sisters. In her aria, she asks if they really expect the men to be faithful. After an introductory passage in 2-4 time, the tempo changes to an allegretto in 6-8. As we'll hear, the tune of the allegretto section is beguiling, as Despina says that all men are made of the same stuff. False tears, deceitful glances, deceptive voices, and charming lies. Soprano Hanny Steffek sings Despina. Despina isn't a stock character. She's not just another maid in the Comedia dell'arte tradition, but a well-defined individual. She's a strong woman. I don't think she's much older than Fiordiligi and Dorabella. And she's rather cynical, particularly vis-a-vis -vis the two sisters. They've never worked a day in their lives, whereas she, Despina, must work to survive. Her music is feminine and graceful, but clearly not upper class. She's smart, shrewd, earthy, a woman of the world. She speaks with conviction whether she's confronting Don Alfonso or advising the sisters. After Despina's aria, the three women leave the stage and Don Alfonso enters. He knocks on the door to Despina's room and tells her he'd like to bring in two friends who want to court the sisters. Unknown to Despina, the new suitors are Ferrando and Guglielmo. Apparently, Don Alfonso has ordered them to disguise themselves as Albanians and court one another's girlfriends. The disguise reflects European interest in exotic lands during the late 18th century, and Turkey and Albania, which was then under Turkish rule, were considered exotic. Don Alfonso doesn't tell Despina the real identity of the men. He needs help to carry out his plan, and he knows she's clever, so he bribes her into conspiring with him. He's also probably afraid that she might recognize Ferrando and Guglielmo. Despina needs the money, so she's willing to cooperate, provided the visiting suitors are rich and handsome. 
Both Despina and Don Alfonso are cynical, but Despina, despite her disdain for the sisters' immaturity, is basically good, whereas Don Alfonso is insensitive and manipulative. In all fairness, I must add that some writers think Don Alfonso is trying to teach the young officers a lesson because he believes the engaged couples are mismatched. Perhaps, although I don't read that in either the text or the music. But no matter what his intentions are, using the sisters as guinea pigs is cruel. And Mozart's empathy for the victimized women is made clear by the music he writes for them, such as we heard in the second quintet in the preceding scene. Don Alfonso invites the so-called Albanians into the house, and their entrance leads to a sextet. Again, the characters are divided into the following groups, the sisters, their fiancés, and Don Alfonso and Despina. These groups will change during the course of the opera, leading to painful conflicts in Act Two. The sextet is marked allegro, and it begins as Don Alfonso introduces his friends to Despina. The Albanians kiss her hand in music that exudes formality, mock formality, and Despina is amused by their costumes and mustaches. Dorabella and Fior di Ligi call Despina from off stage. Together they berate her for letting strangers into the house. As they scold her, ascending staccato strings and persistent notes in the sisters' vocal lines express their indignation. Despina and the Albanians beg the sisters' forgiveness, claiming that the new suitors adore them and are suffering from spasms of love. It's pure comedy, broad and erotic. The tempo changes to a molto allegro and the sisters' vocal lines plunge downward as they angrily reject their suitors. Either the women are genuinely panicked or they protest too much. Despina opts for the latter, while the young men are impressed by the intensity of their fiancé's fury. Fior di Ligi is indignant that these men would dare come to her home, and in her first aria, Come Scoglio, she says, Like a rock, I won't be moved by winds or a tempest. That's how strong my soul is in fidelity and in love. The aria is a vocal showcase, the epitome of the virtuoso opera seria aria, in which the singer expresses fortitude in the face of adversity. Although the aria parodies opera seria, it contains a kernel of truth about Fior di Ligi's character. She's courageous and she's constant. She confronts truth as she sees it, and later in the opera this will lead to agonized soul-searching. At this point in time, however, her aria is a vehement reaction to even the suggestion that she might be unfaithful. The first section of Come Scoglio, marked Andante Maestoso, defines Fior di Ligi as self-important, self-righteous, and filled with moral indignation. The introduction is haughty, and as she sings, huge intervals establish her imperious nature. She's pompous to the point of absurdity, and that absurdity is reinforced by the sound of the trumpet when she sings the word tempesta, tempest, her voice peaking on a high B-flat. Thank you. 
Listen to the wide intervals. In the concluding section of the aria, the tempo speeds up and the vocal line becomes increasingly florid as Fiordiligi tells the Albanians to respect her constancy. To expect otherwise, she says, is a barbaric hope, una barbara speranza. She elaborates endlessly on the word speranza. The role of Fiordiligi was originated by Adriana Gabrieli del Bene, known as La Ferrarese because she was from that northern Italian city, as are the sisters in Così. This soprano was renowned for her wide vocal range and her ability to sing huge intervals. At the time Così was written, Adriana del Bene was da Ponte's mistress, and in his memoirs the librettist writes, it is pertinent at this point to inform my reader that, though I have always in general been most susceptible to amorous passions, I nevertheless made it a very solemn rule never to flirt with actresses. And for more than seven years I had the strength to resist every temptation and observe my rule rigorously. But to my misfortune there came a singer who, without having great pretensions to beauty, delighted me first of all for her voice and thereafter she showed great propensity toward me, and I ended up falling in love with her. Her voice was delicious. She was not the best conceivable actress, but with two most beautiful eyes, with very charming lips, few were the performances in which she did not prove infinitely pleasing. Mozart didn't have as high a professional opinion of her as da Ponte did, but the composer certainly seems to have tailored Fiordiligi's music to the soprano's particular vocal skills. Comiscoglio is followed by a totally different aria sung by Guglielmo, in which he tries to convince the sisters to relent. He's down to earth, the comic character, and his tune is easygoing. Don't go against the tide, he sings. Make us happy, and we'll make you very happy. As the aria continues, the double meaning of the words is reinforced by the use of rests or fermatas. A fermata is a musical symbol above a note or a rest that looks like an eyebrow and literally means hold or stop. In Così there are about 150 fermatas, sometimes on notes, other times on rests. Just for the sake of comparison, there are only 35 in Don Giovanni. In Così, those pauses usually indicate a suggestive thought or a moment of irony. Guglielmo's aria is rife with rests and fermatas. Look, touch, says Guglielmo and there's a rest after each word. Look at our feet, rest. Eyes, rest. Touch the beautiful nose, rest. Look at everything. There's a fermata over the rest following that last sentence. The sisters leave and the men sing a laughing trio in which Ferrando and Guglielmo claim they've already won the wager, while Don Alfonso predicts their laughter will turn to tears. 
He also reminds them they have agreed to secrecy and total obedience for 24 hours. Ferrando insists that the battle is won. In his aria, Un'aura Amorosa, An Amorous Breeze, he talks about the sweetness of love, proclaiming it a treasure that restores his heart. His expression of love is set to one of Mozart's most luminous melodies. That melody and the delicate orchestral texture of the piece embody Ferrando's poetic nature. The officers leave and there's a brief recitative between Don Alfonso and Despina in which she tells him to leave the details of the plot to her. The last scene of Act One is set in a garden and the entire scene forms the finale of the first act. One segment follows another in rapid succession, beginning with a duet for the sisters, followed by a quintet with the entrance of Don Alfonso and the Albanians, then a quartet as the philosopher leaves and so on, climaxing with a sextet that brings Act One to a close. As the scene begins, the sisters are bemoaning the day's events. Their melancholy duet ends abruptly, and the tempo speeds up as the voices of the Albanians are heard from off stage, claiming they're dying for the ingrate sisters. Don Alfonso rushes in and tells the women there's still hope. Fiordiligi and Dorabella are startled by all the shouting. The Albanians enter and drink what they claim is arsenic. Then they collapse. The sisters call Despina, who urges them to take care of the men while she goes for help. She leaves with Don Alfonso, and within minutes, Despina reemerges, disguised as a doctor. In speech sprinkled with incorrect Latin, she pretends to draw out the arsenic from the men with a giant magnet, while encouraging Fiordiligi and Dorabella to hold them tightly. When Ferrando and Guglielmo are cured, instantly, the finale erupts into an allegro as they demand a kiss, shocking the sisters. Despina and Don Alfonso encourage the young women to comply out of a sense of goodness in a melody that seems to wind itself around the sisters, ensnaring them. But they're appalled by the mere suggestion that they could be unfaithful to their fiancés. The finale ends with a lively presto for all six characters, in which Fiordiligi and Dorabella spurn the Albanians, who, along with Despina and Don Alfonso, are convinced that the sisters' anger will turn to love. Act two centers on the development of the characters and their relationships. The plot becomes secondary, the text more introspective, and the dramatic pace slower. The opera continues to be witty, yet at the same time unsettling in its treatment of betrayal and disillusionment. The first scene of Act Two, set in the sisters' home, opens with a long recitative among the three female characters. 
When Despina urges the sisters to be adventurous, Fiordiligi objects because she doesn't want to hurt her fiancé's feelings. Despina explains her own attitude in the vivacious aria Una Donna Quindicianni. A 15-year-old woman should have fun, she says. She should know the ways of the world, should know how to pretend to laugh and cry, how to make up excuses. Fiordiligi continues to hold out. But Torabella likes the idea of a little flirtation to keep from dying of melancholy. Then Fiordiligi reveals her ambivalent feelings as she asks her sister to decide for both of them. In a charming duet, each unwittingly selects the other's fiancé. Dorabella says she wants the dark-haired suitor, prenderò quel brunettino, while Fiordiligi says she'll opt for the blonde. The melody is warm and utterly feminine. They're young and they want to have fun. As the duet progresses, Dorabella's vocal line becomes more playful when she says she'll tease a little when he speaks sweet words to her. And Fiordiligi's melody resembles a series of sighs when she says she'll imitate the little sighs of her suitor. The scene changes to the garden where all six characters have gathered. In a comic quartet, Don Alfonso and Despina teach the Albanians the art of courting the sisters. The young men mumble a few words, but the sisters remain silent. Despina and Don Alfonso exit quickly, leaving the couples together. A mimed scene follows in which the sisters and the Albanians look at one another and giggle. In an awkward recitative, they talk about the weather. Then Fiordiligi asks Sperando if he'd like to take a walk. No sooner have they strolled off stage than Guglielmo makes his move. Passionately declaring his love, he gives Dorabella a charm shaped like a heart. She resists momentarily, then accepts. The recitative preceding their duet is suggestive, as is the duet itself. Filled with pauses, as Dorabella replaces the locket containing her fiancé's portrait with Guglielmo's charm. The music is light-hearted, almost coy, as they go off together, singing of new delights and sweet pain. This is the first time in the opera that lovers have been paired. As the scene continues, Fiordiligi and Ferrando are also paired, but in a recitative rather than a duet. Their tense confrontation contrasts with the easy-going duet between Guglielmo and Dorabella. When Fiordiligi enters, she's very upset. Ferrando follows, and in an aria he pleads with her to succumb to him. When she resists, he leaves. And yet she's disturbed by the feelings he has aroused in her. Fiordiligi isn't playing a game. Her passion has been unleashed, and when she's alone, she sings her second great aria, Per Pietà, an aria drenched with remorse, in which she rhetorically begs her fiancé to forgive her. The angular, broken line of the recitative and the taut orchestral punctuation convey her inner conflict. She's facing her ambivalent feelings head-on. 
My passion no longer comes from a virtuous love, she says. It's madness, anguish, remorse, repentance, wickedness, and betrayal. The aria is a touching apology to the absent Guglielmo. Per pietà ben mio, perdona l'error, she sings. For pity's sake, my darling, forgive my mistakes. The tempo slows down to an adagio. The melody is sustained and haunting, the accompaniment sparing. Although there are huge intervals in the vocal line, they're few and far between. The musical profile is the same as in her first aria because she's still Fiordiligi. But those intervals are now used in a vastly different emotional context and no longer seem exaggerated. Fiordiligi has matured. She now understands that a human being can experience ambivalent feelings, a phenomenon that always fascinated Mozart. Unlike her first aria, Perpieta is rooted in feelings far deeper than romance or social convention. The music, imbued with pathos, expresses the agony of her struggle between passion and the desire to be faithful. We resume listening as her recitative comes to a close, then the aria begins. In the second section of the aria, An Allegro Moderato, Fiordiligi tells the absent Guglielmo that his purity deserves a better reward. Flourishes in the vocal line and ascending scales in the orchestra capture her determination to be faithful as the aria comes to a close. The music reflects her moral courage, and yet the words are ironic. Fiordiligi is concerned about Guglielmo's feelings while she herself is being duped. Thank <laughs> you. 
When Fiordiligi leaves, the Albanians enter. Ferrando is furious about Dorabella's betrayal. And the pragmatic Guglielmo tells him it's always good to be a little suspicious in this world. He's as cynical as Despina and Don Alfonso. In a typical opera buffa aria, characterized by the repetition of words and musical patterns, Guglielmo addresses the women in the audience on the subject of faithlessness. Donne mie, my ladies, he begins. You do it to many of us, and if your lovers complain, I commiserate with them. In a recitative sung by the three male characters, Ferrando expresses his disappointment, while Guglielmo demands his half of the money from the wager. Don Alfonso reminds them that they're his slaves until the following day. In the next scene, set in the sister's house, Dorabella tells Despina she has succumbed. Then Fiordiligi enters and admits that the worst has happened. She loves her Albanian suitor. Dorabella doesn't understand. She thinks it's fun that each of them has a kind of playmate. Being a pragmatist, she adds that even if their fiancés come back, who knows whether or not they'll marry the sisters. Better to go with what's certain than what's uncertain. In an aria marked Allegretto Vivace, Dorabella sings E amore un ladroncello, Love is a thief, a little serpent who takes away peace. The serpent, of course, is a phallic symbol. There's a fermata on the word peace, pace, and on the rest that follows. Like Despina's arias, this is in 6-8 time. Dorabella has taken on her chambermaid's attitude toward sexual freedom and, consequently, her musical style becomes the same as Despina's. Fiordiligi decides to disguise herself in a military uniform and join Guglielmo at the front. Far out as this seems to us, women of that time were known to have done this. She notes that Ferrando's uniform is the one that fits her, rather than Guglielmo's. She sends Despina for a carriage and horses to take her to the front. Fiordiligi thinks she's alone, but Ferrando observes her as she sings what will become the opening lines of their duet, a duet that's another musical highlight of Così. She says she looks forward to embracing her fiancé, and her vocal line is deeply expressive of both her strength and her melancholy mood. There's no pretense here. Fra gli amplessi, in a little while I'll be in the arms of my faithful fiancé, she sings, in a melody of great dignity. When she says it will be a joy for him to see her, meaning Guglielmo, the melody sounds restrained rather than joyous. Ferrando interrupts, expanding on her melody in a minor key as he claims that he'll die of pain. Sustained high notes express Fiordiligi's dismay as she orders him to leave. He refuses and threatens to kill himself with his sword. Oh! 
As the duet continues, Fiordiligi is tormented by her ambivalent feelings. She admits she is weakening. Ferrando continues to seduce her, secure in the knowledge that he'll win her over. Volgi a me, he says, turn to me. Only in me will you find husband, lover, more if you want. The passage is marked to be sung with great tenderness. The tempo is a slow larghetto, the melody intensely lyrical. Fiordiligi trembles, and in gasps of sound she says, Giusto trail, good heavens, repeating the words as her vocal line rises, peaking on the word crudel, cruel man. Ferrando urges her not to delay any longer. A sensual passage in the oboe accompanies her as she says, Ai vinto, you've won. And her surrender is expressed in a simple ascending scale. Fadi me quel che ti par, she sings. Do with me what you will. They embrace, and their duet becomes an expression of mutual love. Granted, Ferrando set out to deceive her, but Mozart has told us musically, and will continue to tell us, that these two belong together. Perhaps Ferrando himself doesn't know whether he's just deceiving Fiordiligi here, or indulging in his predilection for romance, or genuinely falling in love with her. His feelings are ambivalent, hers are not. Her agony, her indecisiveness, her passion, and finally her surrender are all too real. Guglielmo and Don Alfonso watch Ferrando go off with Fiordiligi, and now it's Guglielmo's turn to be angry. Ferrando returns, his pride still hurt because of Dorabella's betrayal. Don Alfonso suggests the best way to chastise the sisters is to marry them. When Ferrando asks if there are any women fit for men such as himself and Guglielmo, Don Alfonso says that nature doesn't make exceptions, so they might as well be philosophical about it. He adds that everyone blames women, but he excuses them. Then he orders the young men to repeat after him, Così fan tutte, that's what all women do. It was Mozart's idea to have Ferrando and Guglielmo repeat Don Alfonso's words, at this moment, the young men not only adopt his cynical philosophy, but they no longer accept the illusion of idealized love. Both are less naive, but neither seems to have matured to the point of learning to love. Despina enters with the news that the sisters have agreed to marry their Albanian suitors, and the scene shifts to the garden as the finale begins. Despina brings in servants and musicians to prepare for the wedding. 
As the two pairs of lovers enter, the chorus greets them with a hymn asking for blessings on the two couples. During an ensuing quartet in which the couples express their joy, Fiordiligi sings a highly ornamented passage, a passage echoed by Ferrando, yet another musical indication of their compatibility. Then the brides and grooms toast one another in a giddy expression of delight. Despina enters disguised as a notary, and, according to the score, sings in a nasal voice droning on and on about the marriage contract. No sooner have the sisters signed the contract than a military chorus is heard off stage, the same chorus that accompanied the supposed departure of Ferrando and Guglielmo. Panicked, the girls hide the Albanians, while Don Alfonso leads the disguised Despina off stage. Fiordiligi and Dorabella are distraught when Ferrando and Guglielmo enter. They've shed their disguise and have re-emerged in their military uniforms. We're home safe and sound, they announce, explaining that their order to battle was rescinded. When they praise their most faithful lovers, there's a fermata on the word amanti, lovers. And when they speak of exulting in joy, there's a fermata on the word esultanti. Both pauses enhance the irony of their words. Once again, the four young people are regrouped, sisters versus boyfriends. The men pretend to discover the wedding contract signed by their fiancés. The discovery is all pretense, but as we'll hear next, the anger is real, and the music exudes fury as they accuse the sisters of betrayal. In a passage of aching sadness, Fiordiligi and Dorabella say they deserve to die. The game is over, with feelings of fury and sadness as its residue. At this moment of truth, Despina is as shocked as the sisters are. She didn't know the identity of the Albanians either, and she realizes she's not as clever as she thought she was. Only Don Alfonso remains unscathed and unchanged. When the sisters accuse him of deception, he claims it made their boyfriends wiser and tells them to laugh as he has laughed and will laugh again. Then, as we'll hear, the sisters plaintively express their remorse, and in a buoyant phrase of forgiveness, Ferrando and Guglielmo embrace them. But Despina remains bewildered. Am I dreaming? she asks herself and her patter weaves in and out of the couple's more lyrical lines. She has unwittingly hurt the sisters by participating in Don Alfonso's cruel game, and in the process, she herself has been used.
Traditionally, the sisters return to their fiancés in keeping with society's expectations. As the opera ends, all six characters join in a final chorus extolling the triumph of reason. Happy is the man who makes reason his guide, they sing. He'll laugh at what makes others cry, and in the midst of this bustling world, he will find sweet peace. When they sing of finding sweet peace, bella calma troverà, the melody and the orchestral accompaniment sound more frenetic than peaceful. The opera ends, but questions remain. Should reason prevail, or is there something more profound in each of us? Is fidelity to the promises these young people made to their fiancés, fidelity demanded by social convention, the truly immoral aspect of this comedy? Who should be forgiving whom in Cosi? A flood of ambivalent emotions has been unleashed as a result of Don Alfonso's experiment, an experiment designed to prove the fickleness of women, thereby disproving the validity of romantic love. What Don Alfonso does prove is that human relationships are fragile, that our deepest instincts are not necessarily in line with the tenets of reason. His legacy to the lovers, particularly to Fiordiligi, is the shattering of trust, not only in one another, but in themselves. Long after the frenetic closing ensemble ends, we are haunted by the memory of Fiordiligi's struggle with her conscience, depicted with such sensitivity by Mozart. Through his music and the Ponte's perceptive text, an ordinary comic plot has become a disturbing look at the nature of truth, reason, fidelity, and love. Thank you all for listening to episode 40 of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. We'll be with you every week throughout the summer, even though the opera season is officially on vacation, so you can rely on us for your weekly dose of beautiful singing and interesting opera talk. And don't forget to check out the HD Encore schedule to find a movie theater near you where you can catch Cozy Fun Tutte on July 20th. That wraps things up for today, so I'm your host, Naomi Baratera, and thank you for listening.